Let's sing together and praise his name. Come on, can we put our hands together? Let's bring up the energy a little bit and let's worship together. to the sun.
Grace, it is wonderful to be together on this very special Sunday morning where we get to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, who is not only God, but came down to earth and took our form, took the form of man and lived a perfect life for every single one of us and died a death that he never deserved because of his great love for us. We were reading recently a, a story about Easter with my son and, and he got sad because he saw that, that Jesus died. And then he said, where'd he go? Because he saw the tomb was empty. And then his face lit up when he saw that he's alive. And that's the, the truth that we celebrate this morning. So let me hear you guys as we do every Sunday together. Good morning and welcome to Grace. The greatest gift that we have. If you're new with us, uh, we just want to welcome you and pray you feel at ease and comfortable uh, here at Grace. We're so glad that you're tuning in online and joining us, or you've come this morning to celebrate our Savior's resurrection. And we'd love to connect with you, so I'd encourage you to just pull your phone out right now and text uh, GBC Connect to 9400, and we would just love to connect with you uh, here at Grace. Would you continue to join with me as we sing to our Savior this Easter morning? Let's continue to sing on that cross.
to eternity with him. Come on. He shall return in robes of Father, you truly are worthy of all our praise. You truly are great. Let us not forget that, Father. As we stand here before you, the only reason we can is because of your son's perfect obedience in life, his sacrificial death at the cross, and what we celebrate today, his resurrection. It's because of his sacrifice that we stand before you 
that we can come boldly before the throne. Father, today is a special day. Let's not look forward to the events that are to come. Let's celebrate for the fact that the tomb of our Lord Jesus Christ is empty and that he's with you, seated at the right hand, and that because of that, we have our hope. That's the celebration. Father, I pray that you speak to us this morning. Change us. Father, all this that we do is for your glory. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. You guys may be seated. (laughs) Today is a great day, isn't it? It is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what we're celebrating. As a matter of fact, millions of churches around the world are celebrating that. See, other prophets, other spiritual leaders, if you go to their tomb, their tomb is not empty. Muhammad's tomb, his body's there. Buddha's tomb, it's a bigger tomb, but his body's there. But when we go to our Lord's tomb, it is empty. And that's what we celebrate today, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm willing to bet that all of us, whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not, know why we celebrate today. I believe even an atheist even knows why we're celebrating today. When I was growing up, my family and I, my parents, wouldn't take us to church often. I think maybe three times a year, if that. But today, on this very day, we wouldn't miss it for the world. No, we had to go. We knew we had to go. But it was more of a ritual. We knew the why because we profess to be Christians. If any of us profess to be Christian, this is the day to for sure not miss church. But if I would be honest to you guys, when I was growing up, I sit there at church and I was thinking to myself, let's go. Let's get this over with. I want to get to the carne asada. I want to do the events, Easter egg hunts. That's what I was looking forward to. This day to me was just another day with a big celebration. As I grew up and got married and had my children as well, Today was a day that we felt we had to go to church. Me, as a spiritual leader of my family, wouldn't take my family to church. But on this day, oh no, we had to go to church. And I sat there, and I listened. But really, my mind was looking forward to eating what I had given up for Lent, those 40 days. Yes, I can't wait to indulge in what I had given up as a sacrifice, right? You know, it's sad, I believe, because a lot of us who profess to be Christians still just come to church on this day as just to check the box. I attended. Let's get on with it. And there's nothing wrong with celebrating. Trust me, I love celebrations. I'm going to go have a, a barbecue after service. But the reason we don't really feel The importance of this day, I believe, is the fact that we know why, but we don't know the what of resurrection, what it truly signifies, what it really, really means. Because I believe if we understood the weight behind this day and what it really represents, we'd really want to celebrate that reason. So what I want us to do today is I want us to go through a journey through the Bible, 
so that we can see the significance, the what of the resurrection. Why we know, why we celebrate Easter, we know he rose from the dead. But what does that truly mean? Easter. As a matter of fact, every country that doesn't use English as a first language doesn't pronounce Easter, Easter. They pronounce it by its Latin name, Pasqua. In Greek, it is Pascha, which means the Passover. So we're going to journey today to see what the Passover, Pascha, truly is. We read in the Bible that God chose a certain people, the Hebrew people, the Israelite people, to be their chosen ones. And for 400 years, over 400 years, these Israelite people were in captivity. They were enslaved in Egypt under Pharaoh. For 400 years, the people of God, the Israelites, have been praying to God for salvation from being enslaved to this Egyptian ruler. We read that one day God, through a burning bush, presents himself to this great man we know as Moses. And God tells Moses, you are to go to Pharaoh this very day and tell Pharaoh to release my people that I want them freed. You guys probably know the story. Moses goes to Pharaoh and we read that God hardens Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh says no. So then God tells Moses to go again, and every time Moses goes, Pharaoh, because his heart is hardened, refuses to let his people go. So God says, I'm going to send plagues. I'm going to send judgment over the land of Egypt. As a matter of fact, I'm going to send 10 plagues. But every plague that God sends, Moses refuses to release his chosen people. But on the 10th plague, we read that God says, this is going to be the judgment of all judgments. I'm going to pass over the land of Egypt. And every firstborn will die. Except if they have a sign which I'm about to give you. So that's where I want us to start. If you have a Bible with you and you want to follow along, open it up to Exodus 12. We are going to have the verses on the screen behind me. Exodus 12, chapter 5, verse 7 God tells Moses these specific instructions. He says, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you should keep it until the 14th day of this month. What month? The calendar year for the Jewish people back then was different than ours. Their first month, their January, is our March and April around this time. Their calendar year was kept because of the harvest, whenever it rained, it was a particular month. So he's saying this first month, on their first month, month to them known as Nisan, this is what you shall do. 
He says, when the whole assembly with all my people of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight, then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. So the instructions were this. Get a lamb, unblemished, sacrifice it, and you ought to get the blood and put it on the doorpost of your house and on the lintel. Do this. You need to do this. And then he goes on and says, I'm going to give you instructions on what you to do that night as your meal. Verse 11, he says this, in this manner you shall eat it. Eat the lamb they just sacrificed. He says, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. You got to eat it in a hurry is what he's saying. It is the Lord's Passover. It is the Lord's Pascha. Two things I want to point out. God tells Moses, it is the Lord's Passover. What he's saying, this lamb that you've sacrificed, it belongs to Yahweh, me, Jehovah, your God. That lamb is for me. And the other thing he says is you ought to eat it in haste. You ought to eat it in a, in a hurry. As a matter of fact, we read in the beginning that they're supposed to get bread that's unleavened. See, if you put leaven on a bread, it causes it to rise. And God is saying we don't have time. We can't wait for the bread to rise, so it's got to be unleavened. you got to eat it quickly. you got to have your sandals on. you got to have your belt. you got to have your staff. you got to be ready to go. Why? Because salvation was going to occur that very night. As a matter of fact, we also read that later on that night, all the Israelite people left in a hurry. They were freed from being enslaved to Pharaoh. That's the reason. Be ready. Because I'm going to come and I'm going to set you free this very night. And why? Why did all of this have to be done? Verse 12. For I, again, Yahweh, God will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. And I love this. I am the Lord. They're going to see the true and only God. The blood, the blood should be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I... See the blood. I will pass over you. And no plague, no judgment will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. God says, I'm going to come with all my judgment. And then Pharaoh will let you go. But every time I pass over and I see that your house has the unblemished blood from the unblemished lamb on your doorpost, I will not execute punishment on that house. Everyone else will see that I am God. So the Passover was a sign to show all his people that God would not execute their judge, his judgment on them. He would pass over them so that they could be freed. And then God gives another specific instruction to his people. Verse 14 says this. This day shall be for you a memorial. 
and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, generation after generation, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. God is telling his people, remember this day. Remember what I have done for you on this day. I have passed over you. I have relieved you from my judgment. Tell your children. Have your children tell their children. Remember this day. Celebrate this day from generation to generation to generation. Keep this so you'll never forget what I, Yahweh, have done for you. Approximately 1,400 years after the original Passover, Jesus is walking in Jerusalem, and two of his apostles come and ask him, where shall we eat of the Passover? Where shall we celebrate what we've been taught from our parents and their parents? Where shall we celebrate this great feast that we should always remember what God did for us that night? I want us to go now to Matthew 26 and start on verse 17 to see that night that Jesus celebrated the Passover with his apostles. Now, on the first day of unleavened bread, it reads, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Pascha? He said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. And I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them. And they prepared the Passover. See, the Passover was celebrated in a particular manner. There was an order in which the Passover was to be held. And Jesus did that with his disciples, his apostles that very night. I want us to reenact, if you may, what occurred that night. So the Passover, the dinner would begin with the lighting of the candles. That would initiate the celebration. When that was done, what would happen next is that they would take the first cup. There were four cups throughout that night. They would take the first cup. After that, they would do the first hand washing. Two hand washings would occur. And on the first hand washing, we read, That Jesus says, we are not going to wash our hands tonight. We read that the God, the creator of the universe, got down on his knees and he didn't wash the hands of his followers. In humility, he washed their feet. Their feet that had been through muck and dirt And all the apostles say, no, no, Jesus, don't wash our feet. And Jesus says, I am doing it as an example of humility. And you need to do the same. Follow me in this example. 
after the first hand washing, what would occur next would be the dipping of parsley. We also read in the Gospels that at this time, Judas was identified as a betrayer. I want us to read that portion in Matthew chapter 26, verses 20 through 23. When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to, to say to him one after another, is it I, Lord? He answered, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. We read that at that moment, after the, all the apostles were asking, is it I, Lord? Is it I? And he, Jesus dips in the bowl. Judas does the same. And Judas looks him in the eye and asks the same question. Is it I, Lord? And Jesus says, you have said so. Judas gets up and goes and betrays his Lord and Savior. After the dipping of the parsley, we come to the breaking of the bread, the unleavened bread. We read in verse 26, now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take it. This is my body. At that moment, that last supper, that Passover that we're celebrating turned and made it all about Jesus. Jesus says this unleavened bread, what we're about to take. Now this is me. This is the sacrifice. I am the lamb. You see these stripes? These stripes are going to be on my back in a little while. I am the sacrificial lamb that Moses talked about. I am the sacrificial lamb that we've been celebrating from generation to generation to generation. I am the unblemished lamb that is going to take the sacrifice once and for all. That's why we read that John says in the Gospels, Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus says, I am that lamb. And I will take away the sins of the world once and for all. At that moment, it became a new meaning. The celebration was not the same celebration of the Passover that was celebrated year after year after year. After the breaking of the bread, they would sing psalms. They would recall the story of the Passover. One of the psalms. That Jesus sung that very night is Psalm 118. And some of us are very familiar with the lyrics. It says, today is the day that the Lord has made. Can you picture that? Jesus knowing what he was about to go through. and says, today, we're going to celebrate it. Today is a joyful day. They would continue with the second hand washing and then the drinking of the cups. Four cups. Each cup had a significance. The first cup was a cup of sanctification. The second cup was a cup of deliverance. The third cup was a cup of redemption. And finally, the fourth cup was a cup of praise. During that third cup, that cup of redemption, 
Jesus says, I have a new covenant for you. This is what we read in verse 27 of Matthew 26. And he took the cup and we had given thanks. He gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Again, at that moment, it switched and says, this is the blood that I'm about to give you. This is the blood that was put on the doorpost. Now, this is the blood that will cover your sins once and for all. We're going to celebrate communion together. But I want us to remember it in a different form. That is the reason I wanted us to see the significance of what Jesus was going through that very night. So you have your elements with you. Go ahead and prepare them. And we're going to take them together at the very end. But I want us to do a little something different. Go ahead. Take out your bread and open up the cup. Isa is going to be singing from that psalm, Psalm 118. This is something that God has put into his heart. As a matter of fact, the song you're about to hear, it's his song. He wrote it. He composed it to remember what happened that very night. So you have your bread ready. What I want us to do is to break it in half, to remember the sacrifice that Jesus did for you and for me at the cross. Break it in half. We're not going to take it yet. I want us to also dip it in the cup. Realizing that like Judas, all of us have betrayed Jesus. All of us put our hands in with Jesus in the cup that very night. Because every time we sin, we are betraying our Lord and Savior. So for this moment, while we have the bread in our hand and the cup before us, let us take some time to ask for forgiveness and repent of all that we have done. Apostle writes, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took the bread, and we had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
death it shall not come But I shall live to tell your deeds Shall open up the gates That I may praise it I may sing you Vanced you have saved A stone rejected you same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again this is a day the Lord has made let us rejoice and celebrate you burn us free save us we pray blessed jesus blessed name this is the day the lord has made let us rejoice and celebrate you burn us free save us we pray blessed jesus are called to do this in remembrance of what Jesus has done for you and for me at the cross. That if anyone puts their trust in Jesus Christ, their sins have been forgiven. Anyone puts their trust in Jesus Christ, we get to have eternity with him. And that's why Paul says we ought to do this in remembrance of him. Not only looking back at what he has done, but looking forward to his return. Because one day he will return. And that's why we read in Exodus, as God told Moses to have your sandals ready, your belt on, and your staff. Because salvation is going to come quickly. Salvation has come quickly at the cross for anyone who puts their trust in Jesus Christ. And we are to be ready in anticipation of his second coming with our shoes ready, our belt and our staff celebrating that he will return. That is the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Are you ready?
That's the question. Jesus goes on after taking the cup of redemption and praising and taking the last cup. He says this, verse 29, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. On that day, he says, when I come back, we, all believers who put their trust in Jesus Christ, will partake of the festivities with our Lord and Savior. After that, after he had celebrated the Passover with his apostles, he goes to the garden. And he tells his best friends, please, please stay and pray with me. My soul is heavy. We read that he prays, Jesus does, and asks his Father in heaven, God, Father, if there's any other way, any other way, take this cup from me. But Jesus says, let your will be done, not mine. The guards come with a betrayer. He gets arrested. That night, Jesus is beaten almost to the point of death. Just lashed and lashed. I can picture him looking around for his friends, and his friends have betrayed him. Not only is he physically hurt, he's emotionally hurt the whole night. And after going through this torture the whole night, He's asked to pick up the cross. He gets the cross and barely able to do it. We read that the Roman guard asks this guy Simon Peter to help him. And he journeys with that cross. And then he's crucified and still made fun of. He's hanging there, not being able to breathe. Then about 3 o'clock on Friday, read that he takes his last breath. Church, he did that for you and for me. We are the ones that should have been there. We are the ones that should have taken the lashing. We are the ones that should have been crucified at the cross. That's significance of this day. After he gives his soul to God they bring him down from the cross we read and they lay him on the tomb all his apostles all his disciples all the women that were there were freaking out all sad his body lay there lifeless in the tomb but we also read that on the third day the third day
I want us to read from the Gospel of Luke, that very glorious morning that we're celebrating today. Chapter 24, verse 1 through 6 says this, But on the first day of the week, on the Sunday, at early dawn, they, several women, were going to go and prepare the body with spices of Jesus Christ. They went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, two angelic beings. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Will you read that with me out loud? Verse 6. He is not here. Let's read it again. He is not here. He is risen. Church, that's what we're celebrating, that he has risen. You know what the Passover is? The Passover is Jesus. Jesus is the Passover. It is his sacrifice that causes us not to have God's judgment because you and I are sinners and we need to feel the judgment of God, but because of Jesus' sacrifice, because he is the Passover. Anyone who puts their trust in him does not feel his judgment. The Passover that we read in Exodus was a foreshadowing of the true Passover to come. It was pointing to Jesus. The Passover that we read in the Gospels is a fulfillment of the ultimate, ultimate, final Passover, Jesus Christ. That is what Easter is about. The Pascha, the Passover. That's the significance. And if you don't understand that, if you don't feel that, then maybe you don't really know what Jesus has done for you and for me. Four cups. Four cups they celebrate at the Passover. Each cup had a significance. As Jesus poured out his blood, he filled our cups. The first cup, the cup of sanctification. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection filled our cup of sanctification. What does that mean? We are set apart, we are holy, we are sanctified because of his work. The cup, the cup of deliverance, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection has filled our cup of deliverance. We've been freed from sin. Just like the Israelite people were enslaved in Egypt, we are enslaved to sin. But because our cup has been filled by the blood of Jesus Christ, the cup of deliverance, we are freed from that slavery. The third cup, the cup of redemption. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection has redeemed us. What does that mean? That you and I could never redeem us on our own. We are not saved by works. We're saved by faith. It is his grace that is given to anyone who puts their trust in Jesus Christ. That is redemption, redeemed through his blood. The cup of praise, the fourth cup. That's why we're here. We celebrate. We praise him. We give him glory because he is our true and only hope. 
Passover. That's what it is. I pray that anyone here watching at home doesn't truly understand the significance of what this represents, that they come before God and ask for forgiveness and ask for their cups to be filled. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for this wonderful gift. The gift of salvation that is a gift to us, to anyone who puts their trust in Jesus Christ. But that gift came at a huge cost. It cost your life's son, your, your son's life. It caused him to be tortured on our behalf. It caused him to shed his blood so our cups could be filled. Let us not take that for granted, Father. Let us truly celebrate the significance, the what of this day. Let us thank you and never forget what you have done for us. And lastly, Father, I pray again that if anyone has not done so, if anyone has not put their trust in your son's work at the cross, that they do so, so they can get a different, true meaning, significance of what this means. And they can have a celebration like no other. We love you, Father. And we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. I love you, church. Happy Easter. Church, would you stand? As we sing together, the chasm was wide, but our Father made a way. Jesus made a way to sing. Thank you.
Come on, let's praise them, celebrate. 